Welcome to Huddle Up with Matias Bueno. Sit back and enjoy stories and insight from sports icons from all over. Are you kidding? This is unbelievable! Touchdown Bombers! Welcome to Huddle Up with Matias Bueno. Today's guest is TSN Bureau reporter, for Winnipeg, Sarah Oleski. Sarah, I'm so grateful to have you on today's episode. It's it's a pleasure, and I'm so excited to talk about Jets hockey, Bombers football, and what makes Winnipeg so great, contrary to what many Canadians think. <laughs> then they just haven't lived here, because anyone that's lived here, I think, uh, you know, knows that that Winnipeg is a very special place. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks so much for having me on. You've been working for TSN for quite some time now, and Winnipeg sports have definitely boomed during your tenure with the network. With the addition of the Winnipeg Jets during their 2.0 inaugural season in 2011-2012, with the announcement coming in May of 2011, how has your perspective on reporting for hockey and your excitement for that part of your job changed with the NHL returning to Winnipeg? What does that element of our city sports mean to you? Well, first it meant that I was able to return to Winnipeg. So I was living in Toronto and those that don't know, uh, born and raised in Winnipeg, graduated high school here and then left and um, finished uh, did my degree at Simon Fraser University and then started working in television. And I was working in Toronto uh, at the time. And when I heard that the Jets were, or that I shouldn't say the Jets at the time, just that the NHL was going to be returning to Winnipeg and I asked to be relocated here so that I could start up the bureau uh, and and bring I had a young family at the time and wanted to raise my daughter around family. So we were able to come back, which was great. And it's meant a lot to me because I've been able to see the sports scene in Winnipeg continue to flourish. I know how much you know, the Bombers were here before, but adding the NHL back into the mix, I know how much it means to this city and to be able to see kind of a new generation of NHL fans start up as well. And of course, for TSN to have had the broadcast rights for it, it's been very special to be able to be a part of a broadcast of a team from the beginning for it, which something in the past is you know, I was always a part of TSN's NHL broadcast, but to be able to be a part of a regional broadcast where you're broadcasting 60 plus games in a year and again, from its infancy has been really special. Where were you the day that you heard rumors, the Jets or the NHL, I guess I should say, might return to Winnipeg because there was a lot of speculation before and obviously, once you were on the scene, then things were a little more concrete with what the announcement was going to be about. But when did you first hear about the rumors that the NHL might potentially come back to our city? Well, I spent a lot of time in Phoenix, or I guess in Glendale, while covering meetings back then when it looked as if the Coyotes might be relocating. So I'd been following along with a great deal of interest. And then when it started to seem more and more like it could come to fruition, then I had left Toronto and I was just kind of based in Winnipeg, you know, unofficially for a while, just set up shop a little bit uh, just to wait for news that it could happen. And then when it finally did, I mean, the day of the actual announcement where it was confirmed, uh, we were down at the Forks and TSN had, you know, hours of coverage 
of the NHL returning. So I'd covered it. I mean, I'd covered it for quite a while. Again, not necessarily expecting it to be the Atlanta Thrashers that would move, but when all the speculation surrounded the Coyotes, I spent a lot of time going to city council meetings down there. <laughs> it was an exciting time for all Winnipeggers, especially NHL fans and hockey fans, because it really brings together a nice diverse mix of sports professionally in Winnipeg. The Bombers are great. And for people that are familiar with Winnipeg sports, the gold eyes definitely play an important role in the fabric of our city sports scene, but the NHL just puts it on the map. Whenever you talk to people from the U S now you get to say, Oh, well, if you follow the NHL or if you know stuff about professional hockey, Winnipeg is where I'm from or Winnipeg is where I live rather than, Oh, is it Toronto or is it Vancouver? Because those cities are always going to be on the map, but Winnipeg has definitely created a special place in the hearts of, hockey fans across the country with the passion that exists within our city, especially for the Winnipeg Jets, considering we play in probably one of the smallest arenas and smallest markets in the entire league. Absolutely. And I think it always has though. I mean, I think back to the early nineties and Tim Solani and when he, you know, when he was setting his rookie marks and I remember being down um, visiting family in Pennsylvania and talking to, so I would have been, 12 at the time but um, I remember being down speaking with a bunch of kids that were in the area and the reason that they knew where Winnipeg was was because of Tim Mussolini and because of the Winnipeg Jets and so that was just it's an example that you know all these years later 30 years later that stuck with me because it to me was the perfect example of how when you have a league like that and you have a team an or, an, or, an, or an organization in a league like that, uh, that it really does put you on the map. And I think that it's something that a lot of people in the city take great pride in for it and rightfully and rightfully so, but it's certainly, it's helped put Winnipeg back on the map and had people give you a little bit more um, understanding as to where this city is. Your broadcasting career, you mentioned you worked in Toronto and also went to Simon Fraser in the lower mainland of BC and had moved away from Winnipeg, but were able to return. Going back a little bit towards the beginning of your broadcasting career, what had inspired you to go into sports broadcasting? Was there somebody you watched growing up or was there a certain thing about sports that made you want to jump into being on television? Well, it's what I always wanted to do. I mean, I'd say that I have such great admiration for some of the phenomenal sports writers that exist out there. It's a joke that if I was a stronger writer, then maybe I would have become that as opposed to going into television. But uh, I, it was what I always wanted to do. I don't really remember ever wanting to do anything else. And I used to watch a lot of sports on television with my dad, a huge football fan and football house growing up. So he and I used to watch a lot of that together. And I just used to think that it just seemed, it seemed like such an interesting idea of being able to be there. And if you were a huge sports fan, I mean, and I know that this is probably many, but what could be better than actually just being at the event for it? And so it never really interested me as much to anchor. Um, we've got some phenomenal anchors on Sports Center. That was never really my cup of tea, though. Um, I didn't want to be in a studio with the highlights. I wanted to be out. I wanted to be at the event. I wanted to be on the field and see what was going on with my own eyes. And so I was very um, fortunate and tired and started my career in local television when I was a student at Simon Fraser. And then just kind of continued 
to progress from there and worked at the score in Vancouver for a while, which was an absolutely great experience and a great learning opportunity for me. And then I left and joined TSN in January of 2008. The score, what a throwback. So many amazing <laughs> memories from my childhood. You know what? And there's so many of us. It's so funny how when you look at the Canadian sports landscape, when it comes to television, just how many people got their start or worked at the score. So it's this fraternity that you look around and it's just, there's a number of us. I mean, Dennis Bayek and I joke about it at the time because he used to be, he used to work at the score as well. Uh, so our Jets broadcast certainly has a lot of score flavors and, and it was just, it was a, it was a great experience and learned from some truly wonderful, wonderful people there. The diverse array of characters and people that had their opportunities to start the score has really shown how deep the roots stretch across the Canadian sports broadcasting scene with the likes of yourself, Tim and Sid, Jerry D was on the score for those that would remember. For sure. There were Renee Paquette who went down to work. She yeah. did WWE. There was so many amazing people. I, I could sit here and go, I know Brendan Dunlop, he was on I, I don't want to say her name everybody because I don't no, want to. No, but Elliot Friedman, Pierre, my first my first Stanley Cup final that um, I worked as the lead reporter was with Pierre Lebrun was my, it was um, kind of the analyst or the insider that I worked with. And he was a, and he was someone that I worked with down there. And now I work with him, obviously, at TSN as well. So yeah, there's many of us all over. I want to ask you, what was your favorite football memory of your childhood? You said you grew up in a football household. Is there one that sticks out? Mm, not really. I mean, we used to go to, you know, we'd go to um, CFL games sort of thing. But I grew up a huge Packers fan. personally, So that's the one team that to this day that I cheer for. There's no other team in any sport <laughs> that that I still hold, uh, that I still hold near and dear to me. So uh, I think I just loved, I loved growing up and just watching the games with my dad, just the opportunities that, you know, it kind of gave me to bond. And the time I loved the uh, Reggie Whites and the, and of course at the time, Brett Favre quarterbacking, just the fun that they seemed to have. And I loved everything about Green Bay and what to me it represented um, of this city that shuts down when the Packers are on. And it just kind of had that prairie sort of feel to it. And, I just really felt like I connected with it. So usually most of my memories would go around something with the Packers, but usually it was just watching with my dad. I'm sure you might remember then being old enough to have seen Brett Favre lead the Packers to a win against the Patriots in the Super Bowl in 96. The classic, classic, you know, Heisman <laughs> Trophy pose during the game. Brett Favre and his, you know, holding his helmet charging on the field. Like that must've been, a great memory that sticks out for them as a Packers fan, because with the few Super Bowls they've won since the time of our forefathers, <laughs> it's that, that must be a memory that sticks out as well as obviously I'm sure when they, when they beat the Steelers in the Super Bowl in 2011. Yeah. Well, you know what, for me, I mean, a little bit more of a personal one was in 2007. Um, I took my dad down to Lambeau for a father's for a father daughter trip. And so it was a pretty fantastic experience. So we had the opportunity to go and we uh, were down on the field before the game and we uh, met Brett Favre afterwards and sort of thing. And had to, it was just, it was a tremendous experience to be able to go through and 
uh, I mean, as I'd mentioned in my earlier ones for my dad to be such an influence on my sports, my love for sports, uh, to be able to do a father daughter trip with them. And we drove down. So I flew into Winnipeg and then we drove to Green Bay together. And I remember we stopped somewhere and we were, I said, okay, it was in, so it was, it was in November. It was uh, against the Minnesota Vikings and Adrian Peterson left the game injured. They shut out the Vikings, which actually was kind of unfortunate because I hate shutouts uh, regardless of who wins, but it was, but we're driving down and I said, dad, okay, well, it's cold. We've got to get Packers gear. And he goes, no, no, I've got a jacket. I've got a hoodie. And I said, if you think that we are going into Lambeau during a Packers game and you are just wearing some random hoodie or some random jacket, this is not happening. We are going in, we are going in Packers gear. We are looking like we fit in and we belong. <laughs> so, and then uh, not too long ago, uh, I was over visiting my parents and I found the Packers sweatshirt that I had bought my dad. So I stole it back <laughs> all these years later. The Packers, I think, are probably the most popular team, maybe besides the Patriots, just because of recency bias with winning in Winnipeg. Most of my friends I played high school football with or people I played football with who are from Winnipeg, I feel like it connects kind of to your story in the sense that the geographic proximity combined with their, their storied success is what makes them such a fan favorite in Winnipeg. Every time that Winnipegers go down North Dakota or Minnesota, if you care to go the extra six, seven hours or to all the way to Green Bay, you're never going to see a shortage of Packers gear. Even in Minnesota, I saw so much Packers stuff. That's like the Saskatchewan Rough Riders of the NFL in the sense that they have such a small, tight-knit community, but the whole town shuts down when it's Sunday or I guess in the CFL whenever the Riders play because it's not always on Sunday. <laughs> and it's something that spreads far and wide across the league. You'll see Packer stuff even in rivalry cities. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a bone of contention because I would argue that there are, I mean, it, there's a huge number of Packers fans here, but I would have a lot of people that tend to try to tell me that it's Vikings with how many people go down. So it used to be, I know there were, uh, there are a number of fans of NFC teams here in Winnipeg and it used to be, uh, a bone of contention with some of us when you'd have say the bears or Vikings fans try to try to talk up, but I'd like to believe that there are a ton of Packers fans here in Winnipeg. <laughs> there should oh, be. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I, I mean, the NFC North is like Winnipeg's division and maybe minus the lions, but the Packers are the best team of all of them. You so. know what? I, <laughs> I can't argue with you, obviously. Um, and you want to talk about, you know, success and, Although it hasn't been as much as I would like to have seen in recent years with it. I mean, certainly more than what we've seen from the Vikings or the Bears, which I like to point out on a regular basis to anyone that's a fan of either of those teams. <laughs> well, I mean, I know people can make fun of Packers fans for the NFC Championship losses, but the Vikings have only made the NFC Championship twice since in the last decade, or I guess in the last decade and change when they lost the Saints and then when they lost the Eagles and the Packers have made it more times in the last four years than the Vikings have in the last decade. And the Bears have the NFC Championship once, 2010 with Jay Cutler, when they lost to the Packers, the famous... They hold, out, they hold out hope. I mean, you know, there's still time for all of them to come on board. We're a very welcoming group. Is this the last dance for the Packers? Is this the time when it finally all comes together and all oh. the rumors of Aaron Rodgers leaving motivates the team to come together to bring them the Super Bowl once and for all? 
I hope so. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I could take much more disappointment. I mean, I'm so happy that he's back. I was, uh, I was following very with a high degree of interest uh, throughout the off season to see what was going to come from it. And, uh, and there was a lot of concern um, regarding what their quarterback situation was going to look like going into this, but you know, if man, maybe one day, you know, Jordan love becomes the next great thing, but I'm not ready, <laughs> not ready to see the Aaron Rodgers ship leave yet. So it would be great if, uh, if we could do it. Cause yeah, if it doesn't happen this year, I don't see it happening. With being from Winnipeg and having lived away from the city for so many years through your career and then coming back, what were some of the things or events that occurred maybe during your time away from the city that made you realize that you are a proud to be a Winnipegger or B that there's something unique about our way of life that doesn't apply to the places you've lived, i.e. Vancouver and Toronto. Okay. So I think that, I mean, like a lot of, um, young people in any city, uh, I'm sure, happens that thought oh you know this, the grass is always greener everywhere else you go and you wanted to see and I, do, I don't regret any of my decisions um, for going and living in any of the other cities that I did but the older that I got the more I appreciated Winnipeg and and what it has to offer obviously for me I mean I have a great deal of family here so that certainly sways things more than others but I just I appreciate that there's that it's a smaller city. Um, I like the just like the atmosphere. I like the people here. People are so generally people are so friendly, and there's just there's there's a sense of community that you just don't have in big cities. And you know, I'm a big person on manners, and it drives me crazy to be in a large city and you open the door for somebody or you hold or you keep the door open and people just blow past you and in the uh, just a thank you. <laughs> Just a, just a quick thanks is all I needed. Um, but I also, with that being said, look, there's, I mean, it often makes headlines here when professional athletes um, in particular don't want to play here or maybe don't fit in. And I never hold that against or judge someone for that because I lived in downtown Toronto and it wasn't a great fit for me. It wasn't, I didn't enjoy it as much. So the different cities offer different things and connect with people in different ways. And, but I, that's one of the things certainly that, um, that I appreciate just the people in the community here, people are, I think that people are lovely. And it's something that you speak to players that played here for Winnipeg Jets 1.0 in the day and they have nothing but great things to say about the fan base here and people here that would help out you know if they were on the road that would help out um shoveling snow at their place or that would just it just it's the first thing that former players always say to me just how great the fans were and how nice the people were for it and there's something i think especially in this day and age there's something that's so appealing about that and i love that um that you can get, although urban sprawl has certainly taken place, I still love that we are not, you know, when you're trying to get to the other side of the city, that you're not looking at an hour and a half to get there <laughs> or that sort of thing. So every city has its pros, every city has its cons, but uh, I think there's certainly, there's so much to love about this city here. There's definitely a lot of pros when it comes to traveling around the city. 
You don't have to worry about sitting in traffic for more than 20 minutes unless there's extreme construction, even at the worst time in the summer or the winter yeah. compared to cities like Toronto and Vancouver, where if you get stuck on Taylor way in Vancouver, it's, forget about it. You're, <laughs> you're two hours gone. If you get stuck on the 401 in Toronto, forget about it. You got two mm-hmm. hours gone. Because in Winnipeg, you're on Keniston, you're on Lage. If things screw up, you can take a side street, swing to the perimeter, whatever, or you waste 15 to 20 minutes max. So here's the one thing I will say though, and um, is that I do appreciate with Toronto though, I'll say in particular, because I think this every time I go back for work, that I do appreciate that if there is open, if there's an open lane or open space, people go. People, they, everyone's got a place to go. And so they move it. And uh, yeah, I I would be lying if I didn't say that it sometimes I'd and go, oh, this road is an 80. Why are we going 65 in great weather conditions <laughs> here in the city? So sometimes it's a little bit, uh, I would just, if we could hit the speed limit, it would be great. But certainly, I mean, when you put it in the big picture and you drive in other cities, go, okay, maybe I just need to put this in perspective a little bit more. As you mentioned, there's there are certainly spots to get off and you're not worried about bridges closing down uh, generally and that sort of thing. Or if they do, you're at least able to find other ways around. What was your favorite thing about living in Vancouver? And then what was your favorite thing about living in Toronto? So my favorite thing about living in Vancouver. Oh, um, I mean, from a city perspective, I just love that you were surrounded by mountains and the ocean. It was just, you could go from one extreme to the other um, in the same day, which was great. And it was beautiful and it could be doors. It was funny because having grown up and grown up here, Obviously, and I'm used to cold winters and I used to always laugh because the cliche of, you know, it's a dry cold versus a damp cold. And so, and I will say though, that at least in Winnipeg for as cold as it can get, it is usually sunny and it's a dry cold and the damp cold in Toronto I could, or in Vancouver, I could be sitting, I remember calling back in university, talking to my parents and saying, I'm just so cold. It's freezing here today. And say, oh, what's the temperature? I don't know. It's plus two, but it's just so cold. Um, But I loved, I mean, for me, again, so much of the cities are about the people I loved, um, the people that I worked with, um, the sports community. When I was working in Vancouver, it was very difficult for me to leave because of how much I enjoyed going to the rink or how close I I was with so many people out there. So it was a ton of fun for it. Uh, In Toronto, I love that you, it was easy to get everywhere. I mean, once you got to the airport, but you, it was easy to fly to any of your destinations. It wasn't, uh, you weren't having to connect through the same way that you do here in Winnipeg, which would be one of the drawbacks, but that was certainly um, something that I enjoyed, but I just didn't like being in, I tried to live near the water whenever I could, but I just didn't like in Toronto. I didn't like being downtown as much. I spent a lot of time on the road um, for it. I was doing uh, usually two CFL games a week and I was on the road. I was on the road a bunch. And I think that looking back now, I probably didn't give the city, you know, it's due and I didn't take as many opportunities as I should have to really try to connect with the city. 
but I certainly, the convenience factor of Toronto, we'll still sit here sometimes and my husband and I say, oh, remember how easy it was to just hop on a flight to go, every good travel deal that you'd find would be based out of Toronto and you could just go anywhere. And now I get grief from people because I'll, I'll make comments sometimes colleagues about, you know, I'm stuck in, in Chicago at O'Hare. And they said, Sarah, you're never supposed to connect through Chicago. And I said, only someone in Toronto would say that because you have other options <laughs> often out of Winnipeg. We don't have as many options. So, but those are some of the things you said that, um, that I liked about them. Toronto with having lived there myself as well, the extreme convenience of, Oh, well, if I want to travel internationally, I can just go straight there. I don't have to worry about connecting through another city yes. in Canada. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's a game changer. It is a total, it is a total game changer for it. So like I said, there's, there's pros and there's cons to every city. I also used to really appreciate because of the hours that I would keep sometimes that um, there were 24 hour grocery stores. I'm the lamest for what my reasons are for liking a city. I like the, I like if it's got a good airport and 24 hour grocery stores were very, <laughs> really a big deal for me and the options, but especially with, um, you know, towards the end when we had a young child, having a 24 hour grocery store was a, was a big help. <laughs> Super clutch. I know that whenever <laughs> I would spend time with my brother who lives downtown in Toronto, we'd always be like, Oh, well, uh, Rabbit's is open 24 hours. So if you need something, you can go down there. It's a 10 minute walk. I'm like, perfect. It's made a little more expensive, but the convenience of Toronto definitely can supersede any convenience of any other major city, <laughs> even sometimes in downtown Vancouver from also having lived there as well. I know that there's definitely times where it's a, a little less convenient than Toronto in that yeah. sense. So yeah, for sure. I agree. <laughs> I want to ask you, you mentioned having a young family and how that has influenced your career because like you said, being on the road a lot, you don't get to stay in one place all the time. What's your favorite thing about being a mom and how did being a mom change your perspective on your sports broadcasting career? Um, well, my favorite thing is just watching uh, my daughter grow and being able to be a part of it. She's just, yeah, she's just this fantastic child, but I just love her personality and and being able to see her perspective on things. So, um, yeah, so she's, she's absolutely, I mean, obviously I'm not, a, you know, obviously I would think this, but she's pretty great. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I love everything about it. I love sitting through all of her practices for different sporting events. I love going to all the school events and everything like that and having the chance to be a part of everything. Um, how it's changed my perspective on it. I think that it's changed my priorities in the sense that I've missed out on opportunities. Um, I, I've turned down opportunities, different opportunities, just because I wanted to make sure that I was home or it would be, it would take me away from her for too long. She likes to lord it over me that I missed her. I think it was her, maybe her eighth birthday, it could have been a seventh. And because uh, I went and covered the US Open and so I had to leave the day before her birthday. And so she's still, you know, whatever, I was gone for 19 days, 20 days. And I only did it because I figured this was, you know, it was a bucket list sort of item. 
for me to go cover a tennis major. And, and she still likes to this day to hold it over me where she goes, do you remember that time that you missed my birthday? And you were gone for 21 days or 19 days. So um, yeah, so it's just, it's, there's certain events that I just haven't, uh, work's been good about giving me options and I just haven't had the opportunity to cover and because it's more important for me to make sure that I'm around and it'd be too challenging for me to leave for three weeks or four weeks um, just with the impact that it would have on our household. So we do a lot of juggling uh, and that sort of thing. But one of the great things with the Jets on TSN is that it's given me, you know, I might be, I might be at the rink um, more often, but at least it's given me a little bit more consistency in my schedule being able to look and say, okay, I know that, you know, I'm going to be in town or I'm going to be home on these days and you're able to plan things out a little bit more and I think that there's always going to be opportunities or I hope as she gets older but kids are only young once and want to be able to be there and and be around for everything so I would say that's way more important to me no one at the end of the day no one's going to remember really that I did this career and um, you know I like to think that I'd be judged better um, as to how I was with raising uh, the next generation. That's a great point to make and especially with someone in a position like yourself being one of the most famous sports broadcasters to have ever come from Winnipeg, number one, and number two, one of the most famous female sports broadcasters to have come from anywhere in Canada, it can definitely put a bit of weight on your shoulders, not in the sense that you are looking for it consciously, but from the outsider's perspective, that can be something people think about when the next generation is being inspired. They look to the to the likes of yourself or Kate Burness, or Lindsay Hamilton, et cetera, all the, the great women that work for TSN and also for SportsCenter as well. But at the end of the day, you mentioned, you know, the importance of being a parent and how you remember raising the next generation is something that's a high priority for yourself. So I'm sure that it was maybe, maybe not tough at the beginning to, to think about, but you knew the decision going into wanting to raise a family that it was going to take top priority. So are there still elements of your work that you craft to ensure that you can act as an inspiring role model to the next generation? Or how do you balance that potential outsider's perspective as being one of the leading women in sports broadcasting in Canada? Well, I think that there's a responsibility and I try, I mean, I try not to think about too much and I'd like to think that it doesn't really change me the, I mean, I conduct myself the same way regardless, but, but I certainly, it resonates with me more. I mean, I mentioned how many, great fans and the great people in Winnipeg and people are so kind and they love to stop and talk jets or talk bombers and, and everything. But when I have, uh, whether it be mothers or fathers, but in particular, I find with mothers that when they'll come up to me and say that their daughter loves watching me on jets broadcasts, or they, you know, they think that I'm, they love that their daughter looks up me, the, that means a lot because I know, especially in this day and age, that it can be challenging to find um, different role models. And so I hope that I that young girls look at me, especially in this city, uh, and say, look, if, you, if this is what you want to do, because it's what I've always wanted to do, if you work hard and this is, you know, this, isn't, this is something that is out there that could be you pretty much and, and that you don't yeah just and to be the older that I get begrudgingly um the older the older that I get I think that I appreciate it a lot more because I never really thought about the fact that there weren't there's still although there are more there still aren't a lot of women um in sports 
Uh, at the in national like on a national network here in Canada I mean just with the size of their networks are and so to be able to be one of those men that has continued to be out there working in this industry um, as I get older as well I hope that it's something that in a non-traditional um, position for a female I hope that it becomes more normal and I hope that it's something that really young girls or people of any age can can look at and say maybe that they could do it too not my specific job because I still like having it so I'm not ready to give it up yet <laughs> but a job like mine <laughs> absolutely absolutely not. it's it's a great point to make I remember when I interviewed Milt he said you know someday you can have my job when I decide to give it up you know? <laughs> that's right not, not just yet you know not yet not yet <laughs> a job like mine just not mine <laughs> Well, that's, that's a fantastic point to make, Sarah. It's definitely important to inspire the next generation and also to appreciate while you're in that role, what it is you're doing, because it is so rare. And like you said, being at the game, being at the games, being on the field, being at the rink, those are experiences that are so rare to so many people, even from the first time you got back to or the first time that you're able to work, for example, as a sideline reporter for the Grey Cup, the 13th man one of the craziest games people have ever seen in CFL history. And you were able to be there on the sideline interviewing the coaches, Ken Miller for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, not knowing what was going to proceed throughout that, the course of that event. And then knowing that you were there to witness it firsthand. And then the stories that you'll be able to share from that moment forever are just truly remarkable. And I think that's what makes the role so amazing is the fact that you're able to be an eyewitness as it happens to so many great moments that just captivate people and are the reason why we sit there and share stories till the day we're dead is because that's why we watch sports. So quickly, since you brought up, since you brought up that specific great cup. So I've had the privilege of being on the sidelines for all of TSN's great cup. So from 2000 and since 2008, um, but the 13th man. So actually this came up with our CFL crew the other day, we were discussing um, after a game, there was a bunch of us sitting around and we were discussing what our favorite Grey Cups were, the most memorable ones. And so, of course, everyone pointed to the 13th man. And I think it was Rod Smith asked me, was, oh, and you were on the sidelines. What was, you know, what was that like after? I said, it's the one Grey Cup, to be honest, that I don't really remember. And I think I go back and I watch, I mean, I've watched the game, but to actually I just, I think it was almost an out of body experience of me sitting there going, what just happened? I couldn't even, and you have to react so quickly. And it was just for whatever reason, I said, that's the one that I remember more so from watching back on television than I do actually being there. Cause I just, I remember watching the, I remember watching the first kick. I remember Duval going back and then having to kick again, but I just, then it's just all a blur of, of going again, I can't believe what we've just witnessed for it. Um, so that one's weirdly enough, the most memorable one. And it's probably the foggiest ones in terms of, in terms of uh, actual, in terms of actual memories. Well, that great cup watching as a fan, it even still seems like a blur back to me. I, I wasn't like a little, <laughs> little toddler. I was 13. I remember watching and I was like, what? It just all happened so fast. And you remember the second kick. And I think, I think the people who have the foggiest memory of it are probably Saskatchewan fans because they just, <laughs> they try to remember the good times. And then 
the fog starts to settle in as soon as you hear Chris Cuthbert say, and the Montreal Alouettes have come all the way back. And that's when the TV shuts off and you're just, okay, I'm done watching. Well, when Paul Lapolis worked with us, he used to say that, you know, he just, he was so happy. And with 2019, you know, he was joked, he was just so happy that they were, we were going to have something to show that wasn't him throwing the headset uh, from, from that great cup. So 2019 obviously went much better for him. But yeah, I think that... Um, yeah, if you were associated with Saskatchewan, it was a lot more painful memories. So Sarah, we're getting towards the end of our time on today's episode. So I'll ask you a few quick rapid questions to have some, a little more fun before we perfect okay. today. Okay. I'm ready. Favorite Winnipeg jet growing up? Uh, oh, okay. Well, I'm going to go cliche and go Timu Solani, but uh, I also had a real soft spot for uh, Daniel Berthume or Brent Ashton. Favorite Childhood sports hero. Um, oh, oh, I don't know. Oh, oh, geez. These are rapid questions too. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, honestly, I don't like the way that things ended, but uh, growing up, I mean, Brett Favre was, was pretty key for me. Favorite sports movie. Ooh, oh, I love all sports movies. Uh, but remember the Titans. I wanted, I used to think, oh, the little girl in that movie, the daughter in it, when she would break down film, I used to think that was just the coolest thing. And I used to hope that that's what, if I had a daughter one day, that that's what she would be like. Favorite Jets hockey game that you've ever worked? Um, I would probably go with uh, one of the games let's go something from the 2018 uh no 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 okay no i'm gonna go i'm gonna go back and say the salami uh the first time that he returned to winnipeg it was pretty i it was hard i'm a crier i fully admit it i cry really really easily and it was pretty uh emotional watching the reaction of the fans just again knowing how much he means to hockey fans that watched him play here so to be able to see that sort of reception for it that one will forever stick in my mind favorite cfl game that you've ever covered that was not the great cop oh um oh god i'm awful at rapid questions i always feel so horrible for every time that i talk i have to answer questions i gain a new level um, of understanding and appreciation for what players go through because I'm awful at it. Um, my favorite Grey Cup game that I've covered. Um, favorite game besides the Grey Cup. Besides the Grey Cup, yeah. Grey Cups are always easy. It could be East or West or final. True. Um, oh, let's just go recency bias and let's say the uh, 2019 West final and the Bombers getting the Bombers getting in. Uh, to the Grey Cup Forex and that when they beat Calgary, it was one of those ones where you go, wow, they just, I mean, they won at McMahon, which nothing, I mean, that wasn't even a Bombers thing. That was just more for a team to come into the playoffs and win in McMahon. We haven't seen it often since um, under Bo Levi Mitchell's time there and Dave Dickinson. So that was surprising. But then to see them win, um, yeah, to see them win in, in Regina and book their ticket was, was something that was pretty cool. Again, because I recognize how much it means to so many, I like, I have a real appreciation for the history of it and just 
what it means for the community. So the opportunity for them to get there. Cause I remember being on the sidelines in uh, 2011 when, uh, when they lost and having to speak to the players afterwards and just how devastated they were and how, you know, disappointed fans were and everything. So having, having covered a couple of their times in the gray cup, uh, where it hadn't gone well, I, I knew that the opportunity didn't come around. It doesn't come around, obviously, all the time. And final question, if there was to be a Netflix special made about the Winnipeg Blue Bombers 2019 championship team, yep. who would you cast as the role of Mike O'Shea? Oh, um, of Mike O'Shea, who would I cast for it? Oh, Hmm. That's a great, I've never actually thought about that, which is funny because I like in my mind, sometimes I like recasting movies or I like imagining who would play certain people. Michael Shea, it'd have to be kind of a, I don't know, a, a guy that's got a little bit of grittiness to him. Um, Kevin Costner's too, was past that, like is too old to fit that, to fit that demographic, but that's sort of, that sort of vibe, like an old school sort of, I don't know, an old school sort of guy. So Kevin Costner, maybe if he was a little bit younger. <laughs> Kevin Costner with uh, a really good makeup job done. Good look like a young Michael Shea. <laughs> now that's going to bother me. Watch. Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to have serious remorse about this afterwards and think about, Oh, why didn't I think of this actor? But, in the middle of making dinner and say, oh, I knew it should have been this person. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, darn it. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll, I'll throw you maybe a little bit easier one. If, if, um, who would you cast as the role of either Paul Apolise or Zach Kalaros? One of those two guys. Oh my God. No, that isn't, any, this isn't any easier. Um, that deserves some, that deserves some thought. Paul Apolise or, uh, who would I do for Zach? Oh, you know, and I love watching movies too. You'd think that I would be able to, you, you'd think I'd be able, who would you do? Who would you For do? Zach Kalaros? Yeah. Okay. For Paula Police, I would probably have to go with, um, oh, what's his name? The guy who plays, um, I'd probably, like, I mean, cause obviously like, it's one thing for them to look like them, but it's another for them to like really fit the role. Right. But I feel like, like if, and you talk about older actors, but like the, the person who played the original Ben Kenobi from star Wars, like his kind of like calm, <laughs> calm repose, I think could definitely fit with Paul Appleby's. Like he's not a like super fiery, like jump, jump, jumping all over the place kind of guy. Yeah. But obviously like he was already old in the, in the late seventies and Paul Appleby's. <laughs> Still, uh, you know, still a middle-aged man. He's not very old, but <laughs> you and I aren't going to be making friends with anybody. With <laughs> probably have to throw an easy one with Zach Kalaros. I'd probably have to say either Matthew McConaughey or Elijah Wood, like someone that's kind of got that cool slick vibe around them, or the Elijah Wood, like the seems kind of quiet, but then once you get to know them, they're they're a pretty fiery character. That's that's what I'd have to to do for Zach. All Clark. right, although I can't with Matthew McConaughey, I can't get past. I'd have to go. I mean, I tend to go more Matthew McConaughey than Elijah Wood, but I can't get past the drawl of, of Matthew. Like I just, I feel if like we act, need, if you did an accent to undo the drawl, maybe. Yeah. 
Maybe if we could have Matthew play a young Matt Dunnigan or something, if we needed to, where we could, we could get a little bit of a draw going, going for it. But now I'm going to, oh, now I'm going to have to recast the whole, I'm going to have to cast the whole 2019 Bombers team. This is going to be, uh, <laughs> I know what I'm doing while I'm making dinner tonight. <laughs> exactly. I mean, they already have a, have a book to recount the story and the next thing they need a movie is, is for sure. For sure. I actually know it's really, it's quite sad how much time I could spend doing that because it'll really bother me. I'll be going through different websites and I'm going, wow, who would be a good actor for it? For it. You stumped me on this though. Nice job. The rapid questions that Sarah Orleski did not rapidly answer. <laughs> answer. I always, I always try to find things that I think would, would be interesting and maybe not so so simplistic or campy, but at the end of the day, I guess I can't help myself if uh, if I have too much fun <laughs> with my shower thoughts of different uh, sports scenarios or movies, movie adaptations of certain. Well, I think movies. it's great because then everybody that's listening can start to think about it as well as as to who would be the uh, yeah who would you who would you cast in the 2019 Winnipeg Blue Bombers? There'd be so many um, great ones that you could do for that one. Absolutely. And with that, Sarah, I want to thank you for having been on today's episode. It was super fun talking about your career with you, family life, as well as having some fun with twisting pop culture and sports, especially the Canadian sports scene. I absolutely love it. Thanks so much for having me on. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to today's episode with TSN Bureau reporter for Winnipeg, Sarah Oleski. If you're like most people, you strive to eat healthy as much as you can, but it gets really difficult when life gets in the way. We get busy, we're running around doing lots of things, it's hard. Being able to eat healthy on the go is super important more than ever now. And that's why I'm here to tell you about G2G Protein Bars. They're the best protein bar for eating healthy on the go. It's made with all natural ingredients, they're fresh, it tastes like homemade, but it's even better. G2G bars have 18 grams of protein and are gluten-free. With eight different flavors, there's so many different things that you can enjoy about the great tastes of G2G bars and what they have to offer. They're fresh, healthy, and delicious. Make sure to get yours at g2gbar.ca or at your local retailer in Canada or the U.S. First and goal from the one. This is it. Stiegel. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Huddle Up with Matias Bueno. Check out our social media pages for more at huddleup underscore MB. For full audio, head over to Spotify and Apple Podcasts. For full video, head over to YouTube at Huddle Up with Matias Bueno. Tune in next week for another great episode. See you next time.